Welcome to A Walk in My Stilettos, where our goal is to help you walk in your greatness. I'm your host, McKinney Smith. Hey, Faith Walkers. Thank you for joining us in the A Walk in My Stilettos podcast, where we have conversations with amazing women that let us step into their stilettos. I help women to strengthen their resilience muscle, own their stories, and conquer their fears so they can reach their goals. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but what interests me more is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony, and since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today we have Kim Fitzpatrick. She's a mother, a wife, the CEO at Jamie and Kim Fitzpatrick Fitness, a social media company, co-founder of Legacy by Kim, headband line, focusing on influencing change in both health, wellness, and lifestyle. And Kim not only understands how to influence, mentor, and lead people, but also prides herself on servant leadership. She's also incredibly passionate, empowering others to have the tools required to reach their full potential, live limitlessly, and is living their best life physically, emotionally, mentally, and financially. Please welcome to the show, Kim Fitzpatrick. Thank you. Wow. That, you know, I'm like, wow, that, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's such an honor to be here with you. Oh, thank you for agreeing to come on and share your story with us. Absolutely. I really, really love and admire the work that you're doing. And I feel as though it is our story that unites us, right? Absolutely. It's the story. It's a vulnerability. It's the power to know I can relate to that is what I always find so incredible. Awesome. Awesome. I believe the same thing as well. I know that I didn't start my journey out this way. So after I had written my first book, sharing my story and having so many women from all different walks of life reach out to me and say, oh my God, I feel like you wrote my story. You had a peek into my life. I thought, wow, okay, our stories really do connect us and we resonate and we can be inspired when we hear somebody else's journey. And starting this podcast, to amplify the stories of resilience of all the amazing women that I've been able to connect with has been a true blessing to me because it's helped me to heal through the struggles that I continue to experience, but it's also given me inspiration to keep pushing. So thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I will say if people have not yet listened to episode 27, on your podcast, they all need to rush and go listen to it immediately. Um, that is one of my most favorite uh, episodes on your podcast um, wow. because it because it was your story. And Thank you. I was able to feel connected to you um, even more. So I just, I appreciate this and I appreciate this opportunity to share my story, but I also really appreciate your story. Wow. Thank you. Um, <laughs> funny enough, I think... Um, Episode 27? You were a guest uh, on someone else's podcast. Oh, okay. So that's episode 27 of the Thrive Podcast by Nkechi. So she featured me on her podcast. And, right. Uh, yes. But it was your uh, story on yes. your podcast. Yes. And I like <laughs> fell right in love with it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, I'm, I'm always grateful when I'm invited to speak on someone else's podcast to share my story. And I find... As much as people don't, I guess, see it because of social media, I'm extremely introverted. So it's it's always um, me coming out of my comfort zone 
when I'm sharing and being interviewed on someone else's podcast. But that was an amazing conversation. So yes, thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. I know. That's why I was like, I feel like I need to say this because it was such a good episode <laughs> for me to get to know you more um, across all the work of the pod- the work you do on your podcast. But that, that one rang close to my heart getting to Thank know you more. You. Thank you. So I love to start the show with an icebreaker question because I believe that as women, we have all these different titles that we go by and a title that's not given enough significance is our name because our names have meaning. And every time someone says your name, they're declaring that meaning to you. So I would love to know, Kim, do you know what your name means? Oh my gosh, I don't. <laughs> awesome. I love uh, it. I'm going to just note that down right now. Go Google your name. Um, I don't. I, uh, I have more of a tie to my middle name, if I'm honest. It's so interesting you ask this question because my name and my birth story is very it's beautiful and it's also very heavy. Mm. So my name, Kimberly Maureen, para, me, and now Fitzpatrick, is what my mom gifted me with. And it was one of the few things I got to take with her, uh, from her in my life that she didn't get to come along with me. Mm. So that was a, that, that, see, that caught me right off guard because Mm. I don't, I don't, I think for, for my parents, my birth and my story was such a bittersweet experience for them. So mm-hmm. my middle name, Maureen, is actually my mom's, my mother's middle name. But I don't know the name, but the meaning behind all of it. And I, I'm an L-E-Y, Kimberly, <laughs> but I don't know why. And uh, I'm going to go look that up because I love that question. Awesome. Okay. So like I said, I, I believe that when someone says our name, they're declaring that meaning to us. And I think it's beautiful that for you, the meaning of your name, you know, it's you carrying on your your mother's legacy, which mm-hmm. is absolutely beautiful. So when I had Googled Kim, it means noble and brave. And when I Googled Kimberly is from the wood of the royal forest. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always think it's interesting when someone doesn't know the meaning of their name and I get to tell them because they're like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I like the brave part. I don't know about yeah. the forest, but I think that's... <laughs> We're going to go with the noble and brave. <laughs> Let's go with noble and brave. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> so every time someone says Kim, they are affirming to you that you are noble and brave. That's so cool. I love that. What a neat <laughs> exercise. So I'd, I'd really like to start I guess at the very beginning before we get into where you are today. So I, and I guess another reason why I like to ask this question is because sometimes there's a huge difference and then sometimes it explains where you currently are. So I would love to know, what did you want to be when you were a little girl? Well, when I was a little girl, I wanted to be what everyone else wanted to be because I felt like I didn't really have my own voice. And I thought that if I followed with the crowd or I followed with what was the definition of a good girl, then I would be more accepted. So when I was a little girl, I didn't dream too much because Mm -hmm. I believe I was raised in a bit of a traumatic situation. If I'm honest with you, Mm -hmm. you know, when my mom, my mom and dad found out when they were pregnant with me, my mom had actually was in remission for Hodgkin's lymphoma. And when she found out that she was pregnant with me, she also found out that her cancer had come back. And I was a choice. My life was a choice. 
And my parents made a decision together to keep me. Uh, They actually didn't tell the family that her cancer had come back for Mm -hmm. a while. So I was born and my dad did tell me later on and many years later on that the other option wasn't an option and that I was so meant to be here. And my mom didn't come back out of the hospital from after she gave birth to me and she passed 11 months after I was born. So I I was raised by many different people from my mom's church to my, my family, of course, my goodness, they are amazing. You know, they all pitched in when, when my mom was sick and in the hospital, grandparents, aunts, and all the, you know, the community, truly. When mm-hmm. we think about what a community is, when we think about, you know, that whole, it takes a village, you know, it's like, literally, I can envision that, um, that community, that people helping to raise me. Um, so for me, my, when my mom passed, my dad remarried, um, shortly thereafter and, and they really did do the best that they could. Um, but they were, my dad never got over my, my mom who passed away. He never, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, in my, in my opinion, that's his words to be able to kind of identify. But what I felt is that it was very much brushed under the table and we were, we, we were raised to just move on. And there was a lot of conflict. And if I'm honest as well, I, I was raised in a home without feeling a lot of love and acceptance. And I, I spent a lot of my years trying to figure out who I was. And so that circles back to your question of, you know, I wanted to be someone that wasn't told I couldn't and that I was all too much and that I had to be silenced. And I spent most of my childhood feeling awful about the person I am and my shiny, bright personality soon to be later, my therapist explained all this to me. (laughs) Yay for therapy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Uh, He said, you know, one of my many therapists, he said, you know, you were just screaming out for the things that weren't right. Mm -hmm. You were just screaming out that something was wrong. And every time a little human screams out something's wrong and they're, they're kind of backed with, no, we're right. You know, that's kind of what is imprinted in you. So for me, I had dreams of being successful, whatever that, whatever that term would be back then, you know, but what is, what does that look like? That was the success in the eyes of, you know, getting that fancy title, driving Mm -hmm. that more, that car, having that prestigious name or the designation behind your letters, you know, and then in that same breath, I was also told I wasn't smart enough to go to university. So, you know, it is a lot when you want to do all these things, but you're told a different story. So I feel like I have been in a fight my entire life, but also I've also been lifted with such love and light from the other side. Because Mm -hmm. with all of that fight and resistance came tremendous unconditional love from heaven and God and my mom. So I always battled between faith and fear. And I loved actually, again, in your podcast to go back to your (laughs) quote about faith and fear. And that resonated with me at such a deep level, because when I started to walk more into faith and trusting who I am, I started to claw back my desire to to be more and my desire to help people know that you can be fearlessly yourself. And if some people don't like it, that's okay. That is about being awake in your own vulnerability. And I'm proud of that. So my past has prepared me for sure. It prepared me to know I had to heal radically. Um, It prepared me to understand that there was a lot I didn't know. And that I am absolutely lovable, uh, but it had absolutely. to start loving. It had to start with me loving me first, rather than seeking the 
attention and the love from people that perhaps were incapable of loving me where I was at. So that's a heavy answer, but that's kind of where I I was at. You know, I, I didn't have, I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian, but didn't believe in myself enough to be able to go to that school. Mm -hmm. I wasn't told I could. So, you know, I feel like where I found myself in my life is exactly where I was supposed to be. And I had to go through so much of what wasn't for me to Mm -hmm. really find out what was for me, which I'm really grateful for, you know? So I feel like, I hope that answered your question. Oh, absolutely. It was a little bit layered. (laughs) No, it's perfect. That was the perfect answer. And you gave so many points within that. And I mean, a common thing that I just heard in the answer that you just gave and a common thread between a lot of the women, probably all of them that have been on the show is that your pain birthed your purpose. Mm -hmm. And when we look at our past and we look at the experiences that we've had and the, sometimes the things that may have broken somebody else, but it pushed you and it propelled you into your purpose to be who you are today. And oftentimes a lot of us in our experience of being birthed and you know going through this process of becoming the beautiful butterfly from the caterpillar the people who are around us our family and our friends i can tell you from experience and from many of the women who have been on this podcast where they are conditioned to a certain belief or perspective by the people that have been feeding into them by the things that were told to them, the environments that mm-hmm. they were in and the beliefs of those people. And oftentimes mm-hmm. when our family and friends that say they love us, when they don't believe in our big visions or believe in the light that we are holding back and should be shining, when they don't have that belief in us, oftentimes it's not that they don't love us or they don't want us to succeed, but it's their limited vision of what is possible. And if they don't believe that it's possible for them, then it's impossible for for you to be that way. And unfortunately, it also stems back to how they were raised, you know, Mm -hmm. the things that they were told and a lot of what we've all been told growing up or some traditions and things that have been passed down within our family through generations have to be unlearned and relearned to break that, you know, generational curse or that unhealthy way of treating our our loved ones. But I think it's beautiful that you've come to that place where you said you had to learn to love yourself first and to start from that point, because that's where we all should be starting from the inside out. You know, oftentimes we're seeking outside sources to validate us and make us feel good. And that's temporary joy, but true happiness Mm -hmm. comes from the inside. It's so true. And as soon as I felt like that was my freedom, That's Mm. when everything unlocked, when I stopped fighting for love and I just kind of surrendered to the fact it was already inside. And speaking of freedom, Mm -hmm. you like what inspired you to walk away from a 15 year career to build, I guess, your current business? Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, if I'm honest with you, I was like, had zero interest in it. Um, (laughs) It was my husband, my husband had this great idea. He was the entrepreneur, right? He, which I could not spell by the way, it's still on my spell check. I I was like, I can't, I can't do this. I am like blinders on. I'm an employee. I like being an employee. Yes. Let me work my tail off for you for 17 hours a day. Like that was exactly what I was born to do. Right. Cause I just am a worker, right. I'm an Enneagram mm-hmm. three. I'm like, let's just work as hard as I can for someone else, <laughs> which at the time served me so well. 
I actually went into the field of senior living and hospitality and recreation and leisure and research and innovation. And I had such a passion for helping others live a beautiful life. And ironically, it was people that were older adults and Mm -hmm. in the last stages of their lives. So I loved that. I had such joy in helping people you know, I, at the beginning, I remember my first job was I was, they used to call me the cruise director at a senior's home and I would be <laughs> driving around a bus full of residents living with Alzheimer's disease. And they would be like, I've never been in this part of England before. And I would just go <laughs> along with it. Like it was, it brought me such joy. Like I would go wow. home and like, I just played all day. Like that's what I want. I want to be a camp counselor for the rest of my life. Like I kind of figured that out around 17. I'm like, I just want to be a camp counselor forever. <laughs> this is fun, right? It's like, how can I make people's lives better and we can just play all day? So that's kind of how my career got started. And and the one thing I got hired right into management right out of college. Um, I did five years, uh, so three diplomas. Um, instead of at the t- same time, my friends went to university for five years because mm-hmm. there was no way I was going to graduate for them. I just kept on doing school. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to do as long as school as you did. So I look like I fit in with the university crowd, but really I didn't because for mm. me, I still cared about acceptance, right? right? So I worked my way through these and I had such a cool experience walking out was one of my only friends that got a full-time job from because I was at college. So there's the silver lining, right? There's the wins I started to look back at being like, oh, you were supposed to be there the whole time. Oh, (laughs) you were supposed. So I I started to figure out that all of that I thought was so bad was so beautiful. Mm -hmm. So that's why I walked right out, 22 years of age, hired into management position, loved it. And over the last 15 years, I had, well, prior to my five, like, doing this for about three years at home now. Um, actually, four years ago, I, I ended up quitting yesterday, my my full-time job. So ironic that you're asking me this question. So four <laughs> years ago, I walked away from that corporate job. Um, but in the four years, kind of, or the two or three years leading up to it, I loved, I loved working in senior living. I loved moving my way up the corporate ladder. But what I learned when I was working in the senior living sector is that the further I moved up the corporate ladder, the further away I moved from the joy and the Mm. further away I moved from impact and the further away I moved from actually being able to be someone on the ground that was a change agent. And I started to be tied to policies and procedures and it's not on this year's plan. Right. So the ideas I had that would help improve quality of life, that would help preserve dignity, that like, that's my, like, that was my passion. And what I found as I was starting to climb up that corporate ladder is I just became a bit of a robot. And, you know, my family life suffered. And I remember looking at my husband, it was November of 2014. And I looked at him, we'd only seen each other because he was working in his corporate job too. And, And I looked at him and we'd only seen each other for four nights out of that entire month. And on the third night of those four nights, I looked at him and I said, is is this it? Like, is this it? You know, Mm -hmm. we almost went bankrupt with his one company. He walked away from a $66 million franchise he built from coast to coast. And he walked away from that. And, you know, so for him, he is all about integrity and what feels right and what's not right. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. that's what was starting to happen for me. And I remember complaining for quite a while. And Jamie always would look at me and he goes, if you're going to bitch about it, you have to quit. And I was like, well, I can't quit. 
I can't quit this, this, this job. What will my, what will my family think? I finally made it. I I'm finally earning six figures. Like I, I like, I finally felt like I was contributing to the house. If I'm honest, mm-hmm. because you know, when you work in senior living, you're not doing it for the paycheck. You're not, you're doing it because you love people. Right. So, but as you move up the ladder, that changes and that shifted a bit for me. So so when Jamie first started this business opportunity, he's like, I've got an idea and I, I feel like this could really help. And it was about client service and, and helping people with their wellness and their lifestyle and their mindset and their leadership. I love all that stuff. But the more I was so resistant to it, because for me, I was like, no, I, I like what I'm doing. I have no interest in this. And what happened was I just started to become a part of the community that he was building. And I started to realize how much I love supporting other women and cheering other women on. And I knew that all along, but it was fun to be able to do this in this business model. And I just fell in love and I kind of jumped in and I built a a part-time online health and wellness business with him, kind of no, no thinking I would ever do this full-time ever, like beyond my wildest dreams. If you had told me five years ago, we would be financially secure building a business online globally. I would never probably have believed it. Mm -hmm. Um, But but we were able to do that. And I built in power. I always call them my little power pockets. So I'd have power pockets during the day that I could work on my kind of my passion project, I called it. And I would work on my passion project, which was serving and helping others. And, you know, helping them with their wellness, helping with nutrition, helping with things like that. And we started to really see some significant financial gains from it. And we got to a point where I was out earning my corporate salary, and I was actually losing money working in the corporate world. So I had to make a really uh, important decision. It was probably one of the hardest in my life looking at my CEO and sitting down and saying, I'm going to resign from this corporate career that I thought defined me. I thought mm-hmm. it was everything to me. You know, I was, I, I, I didn't know how to, to resign. I just did it and the world didn't crumble and I was good. And <laughs> I walked away and had to kind of navigate how to identify. I feel like it took me a good two years to really wrap my head around being at home and not working in a corporate job and trying to identify like, what does this look like? So it's been a lot of growth. It's been a lot of, like you said, unlearning and learning to see how this business works and we can continue to scale it. And, you know, we've got a really successful team and our business is kind of doing better than it ever has because we've done really hard work to make sure that we are growing um, as professionals and as entrepreneurs, because, you know, that's something I've really learned is that the less, the more you grow, the more your business can grow. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where, how I got here. And, you know, when I talk about, it's interesting, that notion of freedom, right? <laughs> especially, especially you as an author, pod, like you have a speaker, like courses, all the things, right? Books. So there's like, you know, when you are so passionate about something, like I could go to bed at midnight and wake up and fly. I just can't, I'm so excited every day. So to me, it's like, this doesn't feel like hard work, even though right. it is hard. It is hard work. Absolutely. But it feels like great work. So the passion and the joy is there. And that is, I think, the freedom rather than feeling like you have freedom. You know, being an entrepreneur for me doesn't mean I have now 12 hours a day to just twiddle my thumbs. Absolutely not. Now I'm working for myself. (laughs) Right. And there's that misconception of like, oh, freedom, living the dream. I'm like, well, I'm working my ass off in this dream. So, (laughs) you know, the freedom part is more freedom to do it on your own terms. 
And that's what I believe this is. It's doing something that brings you such joy and it's really helped change other people's lives. And for me, it's like, how can I help be a better, you know, I'm learning so much about being a better ancestor and how, you know, learning about how to continue to, you know, use my voice for change. And, you know, it will continue to evolve. This business and myself will continue to evolve as we grow together as a world. Um, But there's, there's work to be done. And there's work Absolutely. to be done inside and there's work to be done. So I feel like wow. freedom is, is not even, I don't even necessarily, what does that word mean to me? I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, I kind of, I kind of feel like freedom is doing something that you love and you're passionate about and you're standing up and using your voice. I feel like that's freedom to me in this business. I love it. You spoke about being a change agent. And how the higher you climb, you know, you, you, I guess, found less joy. And as you were saying that, I was thinking, wow, okay, I totally, again, this is the beauty in our stories where you can totally relate. So every time you speak about a certain point, I can connect it to a point in my life. So as much as we may have completely different lives or backgrounds or what have you, we can connect through our stories. Mm. And I, I mean, I recall... I believe now I'm forgetting what year I was 2018. Yeah. 2018. (laughs) uh, I ran for MPP in our provincial election and I originally had no intention ever. Like my passion like yours is improving the quality of people's lives. I'd love people. I love to help. I love, you know, for people to tap into their own potential and to see what's possible and pulling out the greatness in them. And when I had, a friend of mine basically, you know, put my my name forth and have the party pay attention to me. I was like, mm, I don't know, this isn't really what I see myself doing. I don't like being in the spotlight. I'll stay in the background and do the work. I enjoy doing the hands-on work. I enjoy, you know, volunteering and going downtown and giving out care packages to the homeless and doing those kinds of things. And Mm -hmm. when they said to me, well, you know, you love people. This is the perfect position. You'd be, you know, a a servant of the people. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot and see how this works. But like you said, the the higher you climb, it's almost like the less, I'm going to say, hands-on impact that you feel that you're making because all they care about is the policies and stuff, like you mentioned. And that was where I decided, you know, right before um, actual election day, I was like, I don't know if this is for me because, you guys are so focused on policies and paperwork and all these things, but I don't see how it's actually helping the people. And having that experience, I I continue to say it's probably one of the most developmental, <laughs> like if I wanted to, to learn quickly and hands-on, that's one of the greatest things. I think everybody should at least run once if your heart is in that direction. But I would never do it again because it took me away from the joy of being mm. hands-on with making the impact with being that change agent and seeing the change actually happen. Right. And I think just even in hearing you share that part of how, you know, you were able to do that shift from, you know, the 15 year career to where you are currently. I feel so connected right now. I'm like, I feel you. I get you. I get it. <laughs> I know. And I I love that so much. And it was interesting. It's so interesting. I'm so thankful I listened to that podcast before because I remember you saying I would never run again. Yeah, like nope. never. And I'll never do that again. Like with nope. passion. I kind of feel like that. I actually kind of feel like that as I love 
I loved working in the corporate world. I loved being a part of the team I was in. I I loved the fact that it was bought and we had a merger and we went through a huge, massive rebranding. I didn't love the fact that I was harassed by one of my bosses after they fired a great boss, but I will never regret the learning that came with that. Mm-hmm. And it made me so much it made me so much stronger to walk away into what was right. I love so I, I feel what you mean about that, that friction, yeah. right? There's a yeah. friction where we, I believe as women, strong women, empowered women that also have our internal compass screaming at us mm-hmm. that also presents as anxiety. You know, so for me, I felt like I was having a panic attack, you know, (laughs) for two years. And I'm like, I'm not sure why I feel like I can't breathe. Um, But it was, you know, and now I feel like as someone that is recovering from PTSD, from childhood trauma, and Mm -hmm. it's a whole other topic. um, But also in October, I I saved my husband's life um, when he had cardiac arrest. Um, My daughter found him. So this has not been an easy life. This has not been an easy life. But I, when someone looks at me, they look at me thinking, how could her life have been hard? And Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that because I don't need to explain the pain that birthed the purpose, as you beautifully put it, Um, because my purpose has found me and equipped me to be able to act as a servant and just spread my wings and listen more. And that's really where I found my path is I just started listening and I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I'm being told. And, you know, sometimes I'll get on and start talking and I'm like, I don't even know what, who just said that, you know, because <laughs> <Yeah>. it, <laughs> it just comes from what you believe innately. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that's a gift, right? It's a gift to be able to trust the unknown mm, and absolutely. to kind of walk into uncertainty saying that faith. I'm going to, yes, that faith. Mm-hmm. Can you, can you just remind, I don't know if there anyone's, else, but you're, the two, I love that. If you like, you're, you said fear is your, so your two faith pieces. and fear, yep. yeah. faith and fear, are both beliefs in the unknown Yeah, and fear is like, we have a choice. You can choose which one you want to believe in. So, you know, faith is in the belief, belief that things will happen and they will work out and fear is in the belief that it won't, but right. you have a choice. Yeah. You know, when, love- when you were, when you were speaking about, you know, your husband, first of all, thank God that yes. he is still here today. Thank God. <sighs> yeah. And I-, I could hear the emotion in your voice and I was at like, my tear came down <laughs> mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm going to say now because the last few episodes, I'm like a crying hot mess of emotions. <laughs> so I'm going to try <laughs> to get through this one without crying. Yeah. Okay. So Okay. I completely resonate again with everything that you've said. So thank you for your honesty and your transparency. And like I said, thank God that your husband is still here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I talk about all the time on the podcast in 2012, when my sister passed away after her going into Mm -hmm. cardiac arrest and she was in a coma for three weeks. So my heart is with you. So I'm so glad that he is here with you today. Mm -hmm. But when you talk about people looking at your life from the outside and saying how, you know, can, could things have been hard for you? I think those are judgmental people, people who don't lead from a place of empathy. And I have a huge belief in you can't do comparative suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, tra- trauma affects us all so differently. And two people could have experienced the exact same thing at the exact same time. And one person completely fine and able to 
glide through life unaffected and the other person is left completely traumatized and needs therapy for the rest of their lives. We are different for a reason and we are the same for a reason, but comparing someone's suffering just because you can't relate and it's not empathetic. And I think that we all need to remove that judgment when we're looking at somebody else's life or somebody else's story. Because Mm -hmm. even as you're sharing here on this podcast, as much as you know, you're openly sharing your story. None of us know the finer details of every single day that you've had to experience or what you went through, or what you felt or what you were feeling, even in this moment as you were sharing. Mm-hmm. So I think it's completely unfair to judge anybody's story, no matter what they look like, who they are, what place they're coming from. So just thank you for your transparency. Mm-hmm. And I think I, to that point too, it's like now more than ever, the world needs to to be gone with judgment. Like now more than ever, we need to get back to the core of, you know, essence of, of, of love and learning and listening and get, get, just get really, really granular on serving people well and Mm -hmm. leaving them better than when you found them. Absolutely. Like, honestly, I just, I just feel like, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of things that uh, spiritually happened for me in that experience of that eight minutes with my husband that I feel like it's interesting. I'm just kind of sitting with that, you know, mm-hmm. and sitting mm-hmm. with that as well, just to know that I can, I can walk forward more. And I, I know that it isn't about anyone else, right? It is about just your own experience. And I think yeah. that's what's important is to remember that you're to take that ego out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to quote uh, Wayne Dyer, the late Wayne Dyer, he said, ego is, you know, edging God out. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can, take our ego out of what's happened for us and look for the lessons, then that's how we can grow. And that's really what I've tried to apply, you know, rather than thinking something happened to me, I talk about what happened for us. Even Mm. when the minute that happened for Jamie, that's what I shared. And I had this determined faith that wasn't the way our story was going to end. So right into the surgery room on top of them. You know, so it's like, I chanted that it's not how this story will end. So, you know, I just feel like that's, that can resonate with a lot of us. Like, this isn't how your story has to end the way it's going or the way it is right now. I think a huge part of it is perspective. And for you to say that you're not looking at, you know, this happened to you, it happened for you. I mean, recently I interviewed singer Julie Black and she was talking Mm -hmm. about her experience of losing her mother Mm -hmm. and some other things that are happening. And instead of saying this happened to me, it's happened through me. So Mm -hmm. how can I now use this experience to teach and to serve and to help others to get through their experiences? Because I always say that our stories may be about us, but it's not only for us. Mm. Powerful. So powerful. Yeah. What's one thing that most people don't know about Kim? I appear to be an extrovert, but I actually, (laughs) (laughs) but but if I'm honest, I actually think I'm more of an introvert than I would ever tell anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, I think as I am aging and maturing and growing and learning and unlearning, I think what I'm realizing about Kim is that I'm enough already as I am. Mm -hmm. And Sometimes I think that I wanted to be more for people to either approve or to determine that worth factor 
or to search for that love. And I think what a lot of people don't know about me (laughs) is that I'm a lot deeper than it kind of looks from the outside. Mm -hmm. And, you know, legacy is really important to me. And how, how understanding, knowing that, you know, I love what Oprah says. She says, your legacy is every life, life you've touched, you know, feel everything with love because every moment you're building your legacy. Right. And I think when people look at me, they think, oh, she's soft and she's light and she's, she's filled with love and joy, blah, blah, blah. Right. But at the essence of who I am, that truly is how I operate. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people, it's unbelievable sometimes to actually be an extroverted introverted, an extroverted introvert. Well, you can be amb- an ambivert. Yeah. So an ambivert yeah. is your split. You're you yes. know, both I'm in- introverted and extroverted. Kind of that. And I am like overly filled with love. Like <laughs> overly. Like I will be Care Bear stereo, basically. <laughs> it's yeah. funny. I call my middle daughter Care Bear. <laughs> Really? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's kind of a little bit about me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, So what are some other adversities that you've had to experience to get to where you are today? um, Okay. So a couple things. I mean, with the business that I work with and the team I work with, it is a leadership business and it is Mm -hmm. about, you know, self-leadership and also helping people build businesses, et cetera. And one of the things from an adversity perspective is that I, at one point in 2018, had my entire team fall apart. And I really felt like it was, it was me as the leader that wasn't doing enough to lead, pull, let's say, which I don't, agree with pulling anyone to do anything. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And that, for me, one of the adversities was just looking at myself as a complete failure in this business model that I was well known in. And I had to basically rebuild a team. And I have had to rebuild my network marketing business and my team about three times. Mm -hmm. And I'm really proud of that. And what I, what I mean by rebuilding is that I'm constantly looking and not even looking, but searching and editing my, my life accordingly for people that are aligned with the same vision and values and, you know, where I want to be and how I want to stand in this world and how I want to speak up in this world. Mm -hmm. And that's important to me, very important to me. And there are, there are going to be times in, in, in our lives where it's not for everybody and the leadership style or how, you know, we show up isn't, isn't the way other people are. And for me, one of the ways I really had to learn through this is that people are going to leave you. People are going to leave you and people are going to move forward and it has nothing to do with you. It has, you have to take your ego out of it and learn to let people beautifully blossom where they're going. And that has been the biggest lesson I've learned over the last five years is to help them grow where they plant themselves. And that has helped me be able to lead such a stronger team, but more importantly, be such a better authentic leader. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I truly believe that what is meant to be will be and what is meant to be in your life will be there. Absolutely. Instead of fighting that, you know, instead of fighting that, that, whether that be that rank, that goal, that, that all those things, 
that we have accomplished together as a team now today together, it's taken a lot of time and it's taken editing and pivoting and persistence and cries and real guttural inside looks to who is the leader that I want to be and how can I help show up as that um, every day? You know, what you see is what you get. And Mm -hmm. that I think has helped me deal with adversity of losing, losing team members or people quitting or, you know, a lot of those things that doesn't seem for a lot of people that may not relate. But for me, what it's learned, what I've learned is that it isn't about me. It's about how much more we can do for the world by helping people be themselves and helping people find their own true brand identity and their own voice. Mm -hmm. And that has been my biggest, my biggest switch. And when I think about adversity, I think I, 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 I'm so thankful for the women that have come before me that have been able to show me as a compass where my missteps were and how we can all go better together and move forward. Mm -hmm. So that's where I think I've grown a lot as a leader is learning how to lead well when you have so many beautiful personalities and leadership qualities um, and really learning how to empower women, not disempower them. Um, And that's, I think, a really important piece that I'm constantly going to work on and learn um, and fail (laughs) <laughs> and failure nestly, is part of success. Yeah, and nestly imperfect take action. That's like that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> so what I you love, know? I mean, is your as your acceptance as a leader to openly and vulnerably admit that as a leader you will fail, you will have failures because yeah. it is it's a part of the journey. But I honestly uh, love how you've talked about having to edit yourself and to improve you and to, you know, dig deeper into your values and and your morals, because I believe that the more authentic and true that you are as a person, that energy that you put out there, you are constantly attracting and repelling people. Mm -hmm. And the more that you are yourself, you start to attract people that are like you. And those who are not meant to be around you will be repelled by that. And they will leave and that's okay because they're not meant to be in an, in that inner circle. They're not meant to connect with your energy and that's fine. And I talk about it in my first book where we connect with people for a reason, season, or a lifetime. And sometimes the reason that we connect with them could be a lesson that we needed to learn from them or from that connection with them. Or it could even just be a simple blessing where they connect you to somebody else. They could be that connector to that next person that's supposed to open and unlock that next level of life or or who you're supposed to be. And when it comes to seasons, sometimes people may come into your life or your business or around you for a short period of time. They weren't meant to stay forever. And then there's the lifetimers who, you know, I've got many of those that I've gone to elementary school with or started out high school with where we're still super close and speak every week where they will be in my life forever. They have a foundational space (laughs) in my life. So, you know, the fact that you've had to rebuild your business three times, some may look at that as completely unfortunate, but again, perspective, looking at it as growth, as an opportunity for you to weed out or to look at the foundations of who you are and what you are trying to build. And it removes those who are not in line with that mm-hmm. or not who don't align with that. Yeah. And you know what? I think one of the best things is too, is to give them that grace. That's okay. 
Yeah. It's okay that it doesn't align. I yeah. love you. I love you so much. You know, it's yes. like, I just want everyone to succeed in what lights them up. And I think that's been the most beautiful change. Um, that's what the adversity has shown me is how to truly be a cheerleader, like how to truly let people go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's an important space. part. It is. And I think there's a lot of people that don't know how to do that. And that's okay. You know, it's okay to learn that and to think about how did I leave that person or how do I feel about them leaving? Because a lot of times we actually, you know, there's that whole saying of people leave people, right? Mm -hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mean that's a bad thing or that you're bad. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes people take it so personally instead of actually thinking, gosh, I love that analogy too of the lifetime, the the season, the reason or the lifetime. Like Mm -hmm. that's it, you know, and what a freeing concept, Mm -hmm. you know, to look for that lesson. Yeah. Yeah. You also spoke to, you know, the people that have gone before you. So how have coaches and mentors helped you along the way? Mm. Oh my gosh. Like, (laughs) okay. So here's what I have to tell you. Like I will, (laughs) I've already, I've already ordered your gratitude journal. I'm so excited about it. I I have to say it's like, I, I really fall in love with people that can teach me more. I believe that we are only as strong as our circle is. And if you're the smartest one in your circle, you need a new circle. Right. Um, I really believe that. So I am constantly looking up to people that I consider a mentor that I can learn from and grow from. I am a student. Um, I believe I'm a lifelong learner. I have been forever. I've been listening to podcasts and CDs in my car before Spotify ever came, you know, and I carry this trusty little, you know, DVDs of of all these motivational speakers and thought leaders and read their books because that's where I believe my growth is, is getting in other people's heads, biographies, authors, like, like, so that's what I believe, you know, you are only, it's John Maxwell's analogy of the law of the lid. You know, Mm -hmm. you will only be as successful as much as you grow. And I think sometimes we niche down to, you know, whether it be a certain stereotype or a certain thing you learn from, or I'm only going to focus on personal growth because I'm really sucking at this. But yet you've got, I believe that there's an opportunity for all of us to diversify our professional development to be life development. So how does that look as a mama or as a wife or how, you know, how are you looking to edit your life? constantly. You know, one of my great friends, Dr. Sarah Sarkis, uh, she's out of Hawaii and she's a psychologist. And she said that everything is data. And if you, I love that analogy. It's like, if you look at, if you look at life as data, then you're not failing, you're learning. And I, I believe that as I look to mentors and I have so many mentors and I have had a lot of women that I look up to as mom, mother figures too, because if I'm honest with you on this earth as an earthly human, I kind of feel like I need some parents <laughs> sometimes <laughs> because I don't have active, unfortunately, great relationships with my parents. It's getting mm. a little better now. It really is. But that has been a gap in my life. Um, mm. It's been a gap for how I've known how to be a mama. Uh, I didn't know how to be a mom. I didn't, mm. I didn't feel as though I, I had one that I needed in order that I wanted to be. So for me, um, I had to learn all those things. So I believe that I am constantly looking up to, to learn from other women and men that can teach me what I do not know, which is vast and a lot. So I am constantly, my book stacks are, are plentiful. 
Uh, my Audible is full. <laughs> my podcast list is extensive. And I commit to at least an hour minimum of personal and professional development a day, every day. Yeah, I have same. for about 17 to 18 years. And that's wow. why I believe we can have these types of conversations that you can pull other people into that it isn't about you because you are outside of yourself to figure out, I need all these people to help me get to where I am today. Right. So I, be I believe in mentorship. I believe in conferences. I believe in personal growth conferences. I believe in business, everything. You know, I, I have that on my vision board of, you know, every year, two times I'm, I'm pouring investments into learning from other people because mm -hmm. um, that's important to me. You know, and then, sharing, and then sharing that. All I do is share that. You know, a lot of people will say to me, oh, but you're so, you love going live. I'm like, no, I, I do love going live. <laughs> but I just like, I went and talked about how McKinney said this to me and changed my <laughs> whole life. Like, I just want to go talk about what I learned from you. Right. And if that is in the hopes that that might help one person learn. Right. You know, so think sometimes we overthink us having to be the experts. We don't have to necessarily be the experts. We just can be collectors of learning and knowledge and share that and share that. I love that. My mentor says that great leaders are also great followers. And mm, yes, you know, yes. you talked about always being in, you know, a learner. And in order to, to be a great leader and to grow as a leader, you have to be open to learning. You have to be yeah. open to learning different perspectives and all of these different things from different people. You know, mm -hmm. there's some, some people who will label themselves as a leader, but they're not open to growth. They're not open to correction. Right. They're not open to any of those things. And I feel like there's a huge difference between someone who wants to be a boss and someone who is an actual leader. And mm. I thank you for being the type of leader that you are because it shows your openness to grow as a human being, your openness to be truly transparent about your growth. And I find a huge thing that is a strength when I look at people is their vulnerability in their journey. And that's what I'm attracted to. And that's why, you know, I've been following you for a while. So it's who you show up as every day. You know, some people will show up as a certain person online and they're not that person in real life, but it's like the truth is in the fruits of your labor. And mm. the influence that you even have, because I mean, I have to be totally grateful. You shared my gratitude journal in your stories. And within that same couple of hours, I know there were definitely your followers that five of them went and purchased the gratitude journal. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> and more to, more to come when I start sharing it every day. <laughs> <laughs> love it. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. That's, and I love that. Like, it's like, what can I do to support and serve other women in this this in this community like mm -hmm. that are doing great work like mm -hmm. I feel like I, I exist for that you know what I mean I love like it. how can I shine a light on someone else like oh it's like my joy I've got goosebumps right now as soon as you said that ah uh, see you and I are gonna be longtime friends so I know I like that. <laughs> yeah. so I um, as you said that I think about all of the people that I like to highlight in my stories and sometimes they're small businesses or women who are just starting out and you can tell that they either don't have you know I guess a huge support system or sometimes they'll share things with me in my dms and I will constantly be promoting them in my stories right. because we all started somewhere. I definitely started yeah. at the bottom and wish that I had that support from people who had the audience or the eyes or the network or the influence to, to share that and get that message out there. So you being a lighthouse, you're shedding that, you're shining that light out there and reflecting it on those that 
you see could benefit. And it's mm-hmm. not, it doesn't take away from your light. No. And I think that's such a beautiful point because I think that's where some people go wrong because they think that if I shine a light on someone else, it will dim mine. Right. In fact, it's the opposite. Opposite. The more yeah. you actually shine, not, and again, not for your own gain, yeah. just because you truly love someone, you know, yeah. and I think that's one thing I'll say, I do not recommend something that I don't do my work on first. I've, right. you know, I've been stalking you for a while too, especially <laughs> when I say yes, but I'm going to come do something with you. And it's important to me that I get to know who people are, and then right. I'm going to talk about them because I believe in it. It isn't just this, you know, there's, there's a lot of influencers in the world, mm-hmm. but what I believe mm-hmm. is that there's a big difference between an influencer and someone of influence. Right. And I believe we all can be of influence and I it is that. about, it is about sharing that and, and being able to have ideas and be open to that. And, you know, it's just the way that I believe the world needs to go. And I think that's the big difference between successful people that, you know, share their influence and inspire influence in others versus people that just want to be that influencer, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So speaking of successful people that share, you regularly share in your stories, you know, your workout routines and the things that you're doing to stay healthy and well. So I'd love to know what does your self-care routine look like? Mm. You know, I love this question. So I will tell you that my self-care routine went out the window when Jamie had his heart attack. It Mm. like evaporated out of my body. It's gone. And I remember having a conversation with my best friend, Christine, three weeks after we were home. And I was like, why can't I wake up? Christine, like, I can't wake up. Like, why can't I wake up? Why can't I go down to my little cove? Why can't I? And she, she said one thing to me that changed everything. She said, Kim, you cannot go back to what your old normal was. Mm-hmm. She's like, you have to identify a new normal. So the Kim before October 27th was a ninja in her morning routine. I'm still a ninja, but I'm a new ninja. <laughs> so I was a ninja. Like I was like a ninja. Like I would like effortlessly slide into bed at 4.55. I would like come with my stories and like talk about whatever, make my mama juice, go downstairs, do my meditation. Um, you know, I would do my reading, all those things. I would get my workout done. And then what happened for us in October happened. And I felt like I became a slave a bit to the snooze button again, um, obviously due to trauma and stress. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I've learned over the last, I want to say like eight weeks, I've been really ever, well, being in quarantine has made me uh, really come to uh, face my demons and face some of the things that were keeping me small and holding me back in my trauma. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things that I don't think this is my words, but I, I don't know who I heard, whether I heard this from someone, but it came out of me. But I believe that for me, procrastination locks trauma. Mm. And when I was procrastinating on prayer, when I was procrastinating on meditation, when I was procrastinating because I was in my inbox thinking that if I, if I was going to lose Jamie, I had to work harder because what if I was the only breadwinner now? That's what went through my head. What if Mm -hmm. I had no partner in this anymore? And it was on me to raise these babies, which they're not babies, but I call them my babies. And, (laughs) and I'm, I'm here for that. I know that that wouldn't, I would have had to be equipped to do that. And I think that was my fear is that I should work harder and take case instead of taking care of myself, because what if this happens for Jamie again, and he's gone. Right. Now I'm really healing. I'm needing to do emotional healing. 
And the emotional healing is allowing the freedom and the joy of moving my body. And it is allowing me to feel the joy of meditating and being still. And it's allowing me to feel the joy of understanding that prayer is beautiful. And I need it mm-hmm. so much. I whisper, thank you. 70, 100,000 times a day. So for me, my morning routine is everything. It's my vision. It's the time where I get to be quiet and listen. It's the time where I get to heal. And it's the time where I get to lead me first. Because in a world that is constantly telling you, respond to my email, check that message. You know, I believe in turning your notifications off <laughs> on Same. your phone. Same. But also turn your <laughs> notifications off in your head in the morning because how you start your morning will define your day. You know, when I have a solid morning routine, I eat beautifully where I fuel my body for my energy. Um, I drink more water because I know that that's going to help me have more energy. I know that if I move my body, my anxiety cannot hold me. And when I have grand gratitude, it doesn't, gratitude and anxiety, anxiety can't exist in the same place. Mm-hmm. So when I know this, cause I'm a logical person, I'm very analytical and research-based. I know that this is what helps me. So that's what's actually helped me get out of my trauma lock because the habit patterns and loops I had created before the heart attack happened for us have pulled me back as my compass. So in the last like three, four weeks, I've gotten back to 4.55, I rise, meditation, big water. Um, I do my prayer, my journaling, all those things, my affirmations. I move my body and then I go on with my day. And it's really helping me give myself permission to take care of myself first because you cannot literally serve other people if you haven't served yourself first. And those glass balls are going to break. Those glass balls will break. And it's this analogy of you juggle all these glass balls and the one that's shattering is you. And I can't shatter anymore because I have to just, I'm here for this big assignment that is plentiful. Wow. Can I tell you, (laughs) I had to mute myself so you didn't hear me sniffling. You had me crying. Um, that was so, (laughs) that was so beautifully put. Oh, here I go again. (laughs) Um, that was so beautifully put on, you know, the, the procrastination part about it, trapping the trauma and how you've had to shift your perspective after almost losing your husband. And I, I find it interesting. Maybe this is why I'm crying because of the connection where it was after my sister passed and I realized tomorrow isn't promised. You know, mm-hmm. that day I was with her in church and the next morning she was in a coma for three weeks before they declared her brain dead. And when, when I feel like I'm procrastinating, I tell myself that this procrastination is the audacity to believe that tomorrow is promised mm-hmm. because it's not promised to any of us. And a lot of people procrastinate for many different reasons, whether it be that they're scared or they don't know how or whatever it is. But that whole analogy and experience that you just shared was so beautiful. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's (laughs) been a real journey. You know, it's been a real journey trying to figure out how to move forward. Yeah. Wow. It's worth it. It's worth (sighs) the work, you know, it's worth wrestling it's worth wrestling with yourself and your snooze button. (laughs) (laughs) 
like if you could see me in the morning, you'd be giggling. Like you'd absolutely be giggling at me, like yelling silently in my bed. <laughs> For my snooze button, I actually, I read Mel Robbins, um, the five second rule. So I, I use yes. that now because I could press snooze for an hour and I yell at myself right. like, Mac, get up, <laughs> get but but completely random question which I also love to ask every woman that comes on the show because I came across this article that says that your favorite type of shoe says a lot about your personality so I would love to know Kim do you know what your favorite type of shoe is is it like a high heel boot a running shoe a flip-flop a stiletto a wedge mule I don't know loafers pumps what's your favorite type of shoe my favorite type of shoe is a slip-on cheetah shoe. (laughs) (laughs) Preferably has a back and it's really comfortable. Like a van, like vans are my favorite. (laughs) Okay, so vans are kind of like sneakers, right? Yeah, kind of like a a casual chic sneaker with cheetah. That's my favorite. So let's see. Let's see. Sneaker buffs get along with everyone. So are you someone who relates to people much younger than you, yet also feels comfortable conversing with someone much older? Sometimes you're an old soul and sometimes you're the life of the party. For sneaker buffs, age truly is but a number because you get along with everyone. The sneaker is very versatile, a very open person willing to explore a lot of options and different ideas. They're energetic and ageless. They really are not young or old, but they seem to move fluidly through age-specific groups. Does that sound like you? Yes, it does. <laughs> it totally does. That's hilarious. Yes, I'm like, okay, this is amazing. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so oh, wow. I want you to tell the people where they can stay connected with you online. Okay, you can find me on my Instagram page. I hang out there a ton. I'm in my stories. I have what Kat Gaskin at the content planner likes to call my ant trail. Which, <laughs> yes, I love my ant trail. I will keep my ant trail. Um, and so you can find me at Kim underscore M underscore Fitzpatrick. I am on Pinterest at Kim Fitzpatrick. Uh, my website is jamieandkimfitzpatrick.com. And you can also keep us at Legacy by Kim. And that is our headband company. I have to send you some headbands, bikini. Awesome. Um, sure. They're super cute. Yeah, I got to tell you, <laughs> you tell me what you love. Um, and then you can find us there, legacybykim.com. And that company actually was built in honor of my mom. And wow. we have a gift, a headband program as well, where we gift back uh, bands every month to people and women walking through cancer treatment. And it is called Legacy, Legacy by Kim for my mom. So we, yeah, it's, it's really neat. So it's, it really is about who you are and how we can help contribute to you helping you build your legacy. So that's another way you can find me. Awesome. Perfect. So I will have the link to all of your sites and social medias listed in the detail section so they can just click and connect with you directly. They won't have to search too far. So the final segment of the show, it's called A Walk in Her Wisdom. It's just a couple of reflection questions and you say the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life. Miracle Morning. What's that about? It's by Hal Elrod and it literally helped me get out of my head and into action in my mornings. Perfect. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? It would say choose joy because I believe that joy is a choice and it needs to be chased each day. Perfect. What new belief, behavior, or habit has improved your life in the last five years? Servant leadership. 
What have you become better at saying no to in the last five years? And that could be distractions, invitations, family. Things that do not bring me joy, I say no to. It's either a hell yes or it's a hell no. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. (laughs) And on that note, Kim, I want to thank you. You have no idea how much I appreciate you. Even my tears and snot that is on my face at the moment. (laughs) I am so grateful. (laughs) Thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for having me. This was such an honor. (laughs) And to all of you faith walkers out there, until next time, subscribe on all platforms and Leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Join the community of Faith Walkers and sign up for our weekly newsletter at awalkmystilettos.com. And be sure to grab one of my personal development books available online everywhere. And if you can think of one person, I know you can think of at least two, but if you can think of one person that would receive value from Kim's testimony, please share it with them. And be sure to screenshot this week's episode and tag us on Instagram. You can tag myself at The Real McKinney Smith, and you can tag Kim at Kim underscore M underscore Fitzpatrick, and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling.